welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Of course, let's, let's bring our higher power to this, and if we could, all say the serenity prayer. God, grant us the Okay, we'll work. Start right off. We have uh, we're gonna I'm gonna announce say a little bit about myself and she was just a couple minutes. There is a change tonight, just to make sure everybody has everybody has a schedule. It said on earlier schedules that there was gonna be a meet greet uh sponsored by a group that is not happening. Okay, what they did, it kind of fell through. And what they did, they decided to sponsor the hospitality area and take that to the next level. So that's the local Sarasota groups. Let's give them a big round of applause. Okay, let's show these guys right here. Okay, I'll start. I'm Kevin H. from Missouri. I'm a proud member of Essanon. I've been at Essanon for seven and a half years. Um, I love Essanon. I live and breathe it. Uh, Essanon saved my life. So they're having trouble hearing on. It saved my marriage. It saved my relationship with kids. People around me, and uh, I'm just ever so grateful. So that's my brief introduction to my wife. Okay, everybody, so good to see you. I've been so excited to get here and look out and see all the faces. My name's Andy. I'm a great for recovering and I have all I can say is it just feels getting better. I had no idea what I was getting into. I didn't know this journey. I didn't know anything. I knew that I was dead on the inside and there had to be more to life. And this has been a spiritual journey that I don't even have words for. It's just the greatest journey ever. So I'm glad to see you here. I look forward to meeting you and and just sit back and soak in and enjoy. I heard one of the most amazing quotes. Yoli said, Welcome back by the coffee just a few minutes ago. He said, you know what? I'm coming, of course, I'm coming back here again, basically, to this conference because it's my home. 
So if you notice all on all the flyers and then literature out there, it says what? A family, a family reunion. Because that's what we are. We're a big family reunion. So hey, I'm going to introduce our next, our third speaker. I wanted to get some powerhouses out to start the conference. I'm going to introduce Jackie. Our wife will introduce Dave. Okay, so Jackie, you guys are so lucky. You know, some of the things we look for in the speaker is a lot of experience, strength, and hope. And somebody who's been at many different conferences, at many different levels, sponsored, and has a big toolbox. That is Jackie. So we're glad that she's here for her colleague. Angie, get her to so I thought, wow, what else can I say? David spits the shoe as well. Um, we've known them five the years. We've been in the conferences with them. They're from the Colorado area. Um, I've heard them see both of them uh, many times and always gain from what they have to say. So enjoy. So, let me let you know if you have a spiritual timer, his name is George. And, George, you want to go right there? Okay. 25, 5, 2, and 0. Jackie, can you get me 10 for an extra 10? Okay. Well, thank you. What a great looking group we got here tonight. Thank you. Thank you for coming. My name is David. I'm a grateful member of Technology Anonymous. I've been sexually sober. I've been sexually sober since March 15th. Uh, 2015. So I got a month on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks for having me here. Thanks for thanks for inviting us. Um, we're from Denver, Colorado, an area. We have uh, been cold there and snowing. And um, last week, I uh, went to work a couple, in a couple mornings. It was minus three. My poor old truck didn't know how to. Didn't want to start, so I'm uh, glad to be here and soaking up the sun here in beautiful. It's my first time in Sarasota, so it's really beautiful. Plan on coming again next year. Our stories relate in a general way what we were like, what happened, and how we're you know what we're like now. And I'm not going to focus a whole heck of a lot on what it was like. All you sexaholics out there know what it was like. No, but and all you ethnons out there know what it was like too, because it wasn't fun either. You guys. Um, I will say right off the bat, I'll just kind of state my qualifications of being a sexaholic. I was molested when I was four years old by my brother. Um, growing up, I was in a plane. My dad was a veteran of World War II. He was, I'm sure he had PTSD. He was a rageaholic. 
my mom was didn't stick up for herself, she would have been a good Alan on, Essen on, fit right in there. She's a beautiful woman. But they were both uh, emotionally unavailable to me. I believe my sister did most of my upbringing, and we're, we're pretty close today, although she's pretty emotionally unavailable, too. I had uh, most of my acting out was with other women. And uh, whole thing, this whole thing got started for me in February uh, 12th of 2015 when my wife found an email I'd sent to uh, one of the affair women. Notice I didn't say partner because I get dirty looks when I mention the affair partner. My wife said, she's not a partner, I'm your partner. So she didn't say like that. <laughs> anyway, um, that started off. Um, uh, I, I have a beautiful wife, and uh, God bless her soul. We uh, we just celebrated 25 years of marriage last year. I'd like to say that um, I had something to do with that, but I wonder sometimes how much I really had. I mean, she was she was there for me. She kicked me out of the house. Um, and I was looking at the uh, possibility of a fourth divorce, and, and uh, it, was, it was too much for me. I couldn't do it. So I started looking around. I, my background in the 12 steps, I, I've been an Al-Anon. was an Al-Anon since 2000. Um, and I thought there had to be a program out there for people like me. And uh, I looked around, and sure enough, there was a local group of Sexaholics Anonymous in two, in two days. And so I went to that meeting. And so February 15th of 2015, I walked into my first meeting. And, and thank God I've been sober since. The, the topic this, this for this conference is really cool. How important is it really? How important is it really? Well, if it's about my serenity, it's damned important. If it's about my recovery, it's damned important. But if it's about being right, well, that's not so important to me. It used to be. I got to tell you, back in 2002, I was in a band, and uh, we were playing New Year's Eve, and uh, our friends came up from Texas, and, and uh, we decided to go to Cripple Creek, Colorado, which is pretty close to where I played. Uh, they had gambling there. And so uh, we went there, and I managed to do what I normally do, lost money. <laughs> so um, we were on the way out, and we, we we had some property up there that we eventually ended up selling. And we drove by it as we are coming in and then told our friends about it. And then on the way out, uh, Jackie was in one car. I was in another one, and uh, she blew up, and she... She's saying, well, it's this way. Back to the property. You know, don't believe it is. And she goes, yes, it is. But okay. And so she took off, and I'm telling um, husband of her friend, who said right beside me, I said, I know it's damn well. It's not this way. Let her go. And so sure enough about, oh, I don't think she even got a quarter of a mile down the road. She pulled over, pulled the car over, and I'm like, yeah. I pulled up beside her and, and she looks out the window and says, You were right. I was wrong. And I go, 2002 is going to be such a great year. I was right. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? 
it really felt good. And for those of you alcoholics out there, or maybe even some of the you sexaholics, you know that feeling of euphoria when that first drink hits and you go, ah, you know, or that lust hit and it goes, ah, looking at that porn, you go, ah. For me, being right was, uh, and you know what? I was, as I was meditating on this topic, I'm thinking to myself, you know the difference in recovery, difference that makes? When I'm right now, it's usually because we've had an argument, and if I'm, I happen to be right, it doesn't feel good. I don't get that. Oh, I, I lost something in that argument. And then, of course, I make demands, and then that's what I get. Oh, that feels good. So the cool thing about being the leadoff speaker is I get to take all of the great thoughts and quotes, and everybody else has to go, oh, well, he said that already. <laughs> so one of the quotes, uh, I read the story, how the, how the big book for acceptance is, is the answer, and where it appears that were the uh, how important is it really comes out of that book. And so I got a, got a bunch of quotes out of there and some bunch of thoughts. And, you know, it, it came down to acceptance, you know, came down to acceptance. And then I remembered in Alamon, they had this saying about the three A's. And I don't, I didn't find any, any reference to them in the white book or the big book. Uh, but I did uh, just so happen there was a mention of it in uh, in our daily reader, the new daily reader. So, uh, and uh, one of the days, uh, actually, I think it's uh, January 29th in the Real Connection, it talks about the three A's. That's the only reference I heard about it in our literature. But the three A's, if you don't know, is awareness, acceptance, and action. Okay? And to me, they're all they're related, and they're cyclical. Oh, I had to practice that a lot in the mirror. Cyclical. <laughs> I had a hell of a heck of a time with that. I'm sorry. About but uh, three A's, and, and I and I meditated on that, and uh, um, some of the things that came out of that for me, three awareness. It's God given. Um, through and it comes to me through everyone and everything. And even even when I was acting out as a psychoholic, um, there was awareness of what I was doing. I was not unaware. Every time I get home and I get that really crappy, sick feeling of the guilt and shame about what in the hell I've done. And uh, so I was aware of it. God was making me aware of that. But I chose not to do anything about it. That comes in, that comes in a bit. And I sure as heck wasn't going to accept that kind of behavior. I just couldn't, couldn't do that. But I couldn't stop. And you guys know what, that, what that's like. There's also a quote is that every time that we are disturbed, something is wrong with us. And that's true. But unfortunately, I didn't hear that at the time. Until I came into these rooms. It makes so much sense now to me. The other thing that I that came to me when I was thinking about awareness was 
when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And to me, that was that was true. Um, when I was finally beaten down by by uh, my actions, my acting out, and uh, my wife kicking me out of the house, I was ready. I was ready this time. Um, it's interesting. About two or three years before that. Jackie and I were having trouble in our marriage, and I had uh, went into, uh, looked at uh, Sexaholics Anonymous, and you know the 20 questions, right? Sexaholics Anonymous. I was reading down through there and go, nope, that's not me. Nope, 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 nope. Here I was having affairs, but nope, nope. So I was certainly not ready. So as the old adage goes, we have to hit bottom before we're really ready to do anything about it. And that was my bottom that particular time. So the student was ready and the teacher came. Teacher was God for me. I didn't know it at the time, but it was God. And he works through worked through my first sponsor, the second sponsor. My first sponsor, uh, great guy, he really is. Unfortunately, he has a trouble with slipping. And his sponsor told him, you cannot sponsor anybody if you're still slipping. And so he called and told me, and I was heartbroken because I got so much from him. He got a dick, though. And... <laughs> um, I hope you're not listening. <laughs> but yeah, it's not kind. not kind to me. <laughs> Acceptance. Second A does not mean submission, but submission to a degrading situation, rather accepting the fact, or rather it's accepting the fact of the situation than deciding what to do about it. That's the, the uh, what I read in one of the literatures. So it is, it's true. Except that doesn't mean I have to I have to accept unacceptable behavior. That comes right out. Adam. But that doesn't mean I have to accept that behavior from me. Another little bullet point was would I rather be right or would I rather be happy? Um, I heard somebody say one time said that uh, um, I'd be happy if I was right. <laughs> but as I mentioned it, uh, it's not that way for me anymore. It used to be. I loved being right. I was so not right most of the time. My wife has a memory like no other, okay? <laughs> she does not forget a thing. I mean, she doesn't. She can't tell you much about sport trivia or anything like that, but she can tell me exactly what I was doing one year ago. Yeah. Which is, uh, I, you know, being a psychoholic, hell, I can't remember what I had for lunch, let alone what I did one year ago. So I don't know. <laughs> and as I said, that all these are cyclical, they go around. You know, they, they go around acceptance, awareness, acceptance. And then the last thing I'd like to talk about is action. I mean, there's very few times where having acceptance 
doesn't require some sort of action. Um, not in my experience, anyway. You know, if working the tenth step, you know, when something happens and uh, so immediately you're supposed to talk to somebody else about it and then make amends if you need to and then give it to God and go out and be a service to somebody else. So there's action in that. So if I if I've done something, and there needs to be an action there. I need to make amends. Or if nothing more, I need to look at it or write it down. I need to call my sponsor about it. It just doesn't end. It just doesn't say, oh, dude, I accept it. I'm good now. That doesn't work that way for me. So action is really what we're talking about. We're working the steps. For me, it's working the steps. And I have to start at step one at that point. I have to admit that I'm powerless over whatever is troubling me and that my life has become unmanageable. I also don't stop there. I keep going. And I do a fourth step. I do the second, third step, and I do a fourth step and the fifth step with somebody when I talk about it. And then if I need to make amends, then I go and do that too. So there's there's action in there. But not all of that is just working the steps. Part of this this whole thing for me, the whole program of recovery was shared with me by my very first sponsor in Al-Anon. Um, basically, he said that if uh, you need to do certain things, uh, if you're going to be in this program, that you have to work the steps, you have to be a service, you have to have a sponsor, you have to sponsor others, and you have to do meetings, 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 and more meetings. And I've added one in there, too, is I have to maintain a good spiritual condition. I have to do that because all this comes from God. I can't do squat without God in my life. And uh, God keeps me square. God gives me those intuitive thoughts. Gives that crappy feeling down here when I do something that is bothering me. And then I have to start. That's the awareness. I have to accept that there's something wrong with me and I have to do something about it. And then that's when I go through the steps of that particular thing. You must have, you must have taken me seriously when I said, give me five extra minutes. <laughs> Eight minutes right now. Eight minutes. That was a nearly long way to <laughs> Well, I guess to end it up, the, the final quote uh, that I will share is that uh, it's also in that story is acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. From the person that's telling that story. And it's true. I have to accept, I have to do the acceptance. But as I've already previously mentioned, I have, there's action that goes along with that too that I have to do. So, 
We'll leave you folks with that. Oh, one more thing. I'm a grandfather now. And uh, again, and uh, this time our, our little grandbaby, she just turned a year old in December. And uh, uh, we're only about an hour away from her. And it's just so wonderful to see that little creature. She is something else. But as I was um, as I was raising our daughters, daughters that I consider them to be my daughters, I love to tell dad jokes, right? And they hated it. They hated it. Just absolutely hated it. So Jackie got her Christmas this year. I got me a deck of cards that has nothing but dad jokes on it. So I'm doing a weekly thing now with them where I have dad joke of the week. So um, sometimes I get a laugh and sometimes I don't, and that's okay. I can see them rolling their eyes, and that just that makes it all worthwhile. <laughs> so I'm going to leave you with a dad joke that I saw this week, this last week at uh, our car wash. Really good, uh, it's better than from the cars, actually. It, uh, what do you call a group of birds that are stuck together? Bell crows. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Enjoy the Bell crows, huh? <laughs> I am Jackie. I'm a very grateful Ethanon. Hey, Jackie. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still cracking up over the crows thing. <laughs> it doesn't take much to entertain me. Um, <laughs> I have to start from the beginning. The beginning of my journey started in uh, Al-Anon. And I was very, very blessed with a sponsor who we call Black Belt. And um, I'm very grateful for that recovery and that growth that I spent a lot of years in. I spent a lot of our marriage. And in fact, I met him after um, I started that program. Um, David and I met at the courthouse. Yeah. We haven't worked at the courthouse. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, I had two very small children, and um, turns out he had three. We have five daughters between us. We got we had the great pleasure of raising two of them. Um, the other daughters we see periodically to each other. Um, when I first started going out, he asked me. He said something to me. He said these meetings are more important than I am. And I said, they absolutely are more important than you are. And he was upset by that, but, you know, how important is it, really? <laughs> 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 you know, I, I told him, and he didn't believe me. I told him that without those meetings, he had a woman who would throw a knife at him. I've done it. <laughs> Part of my experience. <laughs> 
At my wedding, uh, my sponsor's husband yelled out, Run, David, she's got a knife. <laughs> Time to cut the cake. <laughs> Oh, I don't know how he didn't believe that I was crazy. <laughs> Years down the road, um, I lived a really good program in denial, in huge denial. The nice thing was I had a pretty good life and got along pretty well. And, you know, the 12 steps really worked for me. And I, I, I really had a very um, peaceful life. I did have this troubled husband who drove me nuts sometimes. You know, Alan taught me to detach from the side and think about that. And I got really good at denial. And David mentioned the email I found. There were other indications. Of course there were. Throughout our marriage, you know, from the very beginning. What was that? Married and flirting. Um, <laughs> this, you know, it's interesting to me that the Invention of the internet, which I know came from World War II, but you know it seems like it was just in the middle of my life <laughs> that the internet was brought out to the public. Um, and there were things about it that were um, not so beneficial, um, and things about it that are very beneficial. Um, when I first found out about that, I went to my sponsor then. Um, now and on, and we worked the 12 steps. And I worked really hard on myself. I worked really hard on trying to create a partnership. Um, I think that's why I trigger so much on that word partner. <laughs> you know, things like I, I have seriously, this woman had me change my vocabulary. I can no longer say my daughters. These children that I brought into the world, I'm not allowed to call my daughters. They're our daughters. My house. I lived there before I met him. No, no, our house. <laughs> and I worked really, really hard. And that changed my attitude. And um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about action for me because there's um, some actions that I need to take. I love the topic of our conference. How important is it, really? Um, because, and the only thing I'm going to really read is where that came from in the last paragraph. I did read the entire story in the big book, which is really good. You get a chance to read it. But on page 452, it says, perhaps the best thing of all for me is to remember that my serenity is inversely proportional to my expectations. The higher my expectations of his wife and other people, are the, the lower is my serenity. I can watch my serenity level rise when I discard my expectations. But then my rights try to move in. And they, too, can force my serenity level down have to discard my rights as well as my expectations by asking myself, how important is it really? How important is it compared to my serenity, my emotional sobriety? And when I place more value on my serenity and sobriety than on anything else, I can maintain them at a higher level, at least for the time being. Acceptance is the key to my relationship with God today. I never just sit and do nothing while waiting for him to tell me what to do. Rather, I do whatever is in front of me to be done, and I leave the results up to him. However, as it turns out, that's God's will for me. I must keep the magic magnifying mind 
on my acceptance and off my expectations. For my serenity is directly proportional to my level of acceptance. When I remember this, I can see I've never had it so good. Thank God for AA. You know, I do thank God for AA. I thank God for a drunk who stood at a bar, looking at a bar, and went into a phone booth and made 15, 20 calls before he found somebody to help. It wasn't an instantaneous thing. That man worked hard to stay sober. He gave that to us. And everybody thereafter has given this to us. And I'll never, ever forget that. Um, for me, it's a little bit backwards. I don't get acceptance. I cannot accept what my husband did on my own power, ever. It is unacceptable. And when I came into Essanon, I had complete and total mental breakdown. Had this little uh, thing going on that I didn't know was going on. I mean, it started in childhood. And uh, this was kind of the catalyst that set it into motion. And I couldn't reach for my programs. I couldn't reach for God. Um, but I knew a couple things. I knew I had to go to meetings. I knew I had to reach out for help. And I'm grateful for those lessons. If you learn nothing else, there is a seat in these meetings for you. Find it. You know, that's, that's how important that is. Because no matter what's going on, that seat is here for us. And it's here for us on the people who keep coming back and keep doing the work and keep putting these conferences together and keep going to meetings. That's where this is. And that's how important that is. And what I loved about the last little paragraph of this is, you know, I can do what's in front of me to be done. My girls used to laugh at me. I'd get all irritated and upset with the whole family and my job and everything. And I'd go to do the dishes. You're doing, Mom, the dishes. Why are you doing the dishes? Because God's in the dishes. What do you mean, God's in the dishes? I'm like, do the dishes and find out. God's in the dishes. <laughs> I don't know. That's just where you <laughs> because it did take my magnifying mind off of the troubles, off of the problems, because my brain loves to grab something and obsess about it. It loves to obsess it and obsess it and obsess it. And that, in essence, is my disease. I love to obsess about what other people are doing, how are they doing, and they certainly aren't doing it right, because I have this belief that I am smarter, better, and know everything than anyone else on the planet. I don't know how I got that belief, but that was, that's my belief, and I have to go and check it. I have to go and say, oh, wait a minute, Jackie. That can't possibly be true. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Dang. Um, so for me, it's a little bit backwards. I say the serenity prayer, and I was talking this once. I was, <laughs> I was actually at my mother's. Um, I, I go there quite a bit. I'm not sure why still. <laughs> Bless her heart. I love her death. She's going to be 91 in April. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> uh, I was at my mom's and, you know, things were going like they usually do in a chaotic place. <laughs> and I called my sponsor and she says, say the serenity prayer. I said, I can't accept this. She said, I didn't tell you to accept it. I said, to ask God for the serenity. Oh, for me, that's how it works. God grant me the serenity to accept. I cannot accept their behavior. I cannot accept these things that I think are just abominable. Whether they are or not, I don't know, but 
I can't accept it. I have to ask for the serenity first. And when I'm trusted my higher power, and I say, God, grant me the serenity, I get this breath. And I don't know if you ever looked up the word breath or breathe. It comes from the Greek word of spirit. Um, and there's a whole other story around that. But um, when I breathe, I breathe in spirit. I believe I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. Um, and sometimes a spiritual being really does not like that human experience. <laughs> Although I also believe that I signed up for it. So there's another paradox. <laughs> I'm like, really? You signed up for this? <laughs> uh, anyway, so I have to turn to God first. I have to. It, it, it's the most important thing in my life. There has never been anything more important. And even when I was in my midst of my middle breakdown, because this just couldn't possibly be the truth. This couldn't possibly go be going on. Damn it, I was a good Al-Anon. I did everything. <laughs> I did everything. I worked the steps. I worked with others. I went to meetings. I blah, 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 blah. This wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> what I love about it today is it had to. It had to happen. Because it wasn't my husband that was the first sexaholic in my life. And I got to see that and I got to look at that. It had everything to do with the whole chaotic mess of my being. Again, sometimes I think I chose it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that's okay. Because I get to grow and I get to be here in front of you guys. And I get to talk about how important is it really? You know, how important is it really? Is it important that I'm right? You know, David's story was really funny because, you know, when I rolled down the window, I'd said to my girlfriend, damn, I have to do this. <laughs> she goes, yes, Jackie, you have to do this. <laughs> I didn't like admitting I was wrong any more than. <laughs> oh, my. We're so funny as humans. You know, I can't believe sometimes that what I what I feel my being with in order to make myself feel better about who I am. And I forget that I'm perfect the way I am. For me to criticize myself or anyone else, what am I saying about God's creations? God created all of us. There is nothing imperfect about any one of us in this room. Nothing. In fact, I think we're the more blessed ones. Because we've been blessed to be here. We've been blessed to see what we're doing. We've been given the awareness to come to terms with it. You know, for me, it is really about when something disturbs me, as David talked about, because it is always me. I have stepped on the toes of my fellows and they retaliate seemingly without provocation. I did not. <laughs> Obviously, I did, or I wouldn't be disturbed. I wouldn't be upset. I wouldn't be rolling it over. Lately, I've been dealing with um, my aging parents and um, my wonderful stepbrother, whom um, my parents met um, when I was an adult. So I don't have any background with this guy in Texas. That um, I'm, I mean, I'm Nettie. 
obviously. We've been together a little bit, but I've lived in Colorado this whole time, so it's not like we know each other very well, you know, but just surface. And he and I were both named executors. We did this really screwed up will. And it's been very interesting. Again, I know what to do because I take action. The action I take is I write the steps. I'm in the work, working my steps because I'm beside myself. You know, he wasn't raised, he was raised by my stepfather and I was raised by my mother. And, you know, neither one of them are saying at all. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so I get to, I get to learn how to work with someone in a very personal way, on a very personal level during one of the hardest times of his life and my life as our parents age and die. And I realize that's a hard time in life. And he and I need to come together, not really knowing each other um, and coming from completely different focuses. Um, it'll be interesting. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to have these steps because it is important. This is what's important to me. You know, we got into a big tiff about the will. It was really kind of funny. We spent an hour on the phone just yelling at each other before we calmed down. <laughs> but we hung in there. And finally, went, I breathed and I said, you know what? I'm sorry. Let me listen to you. And I listened to him. And what really surprised me, because I've never known had any conversation where I said two words to him and he didn't carry the whole conversation, is after he was done, he stopped. He said, now let me listen to you. That's God doing for me what I can't do for myself. So I can't do this without God. I want to label him all these names. I want to write him off as less than. That's who I think I am in my disease, right? He's, he's nothing. Well, that's not true. Um, I am. Um, <laughs> David and I have talked a little bit on this topic, you know, the last couple of days, and I'm grateful for that. Because if you're struggling with a spouse who doesn't get it, I struggled with a spouse for years who didn't get it. And I worked my program. And I might have been in denial, but I worked my program. And I worked my program. And what I found out to be very true um, was that. I was told that you don't work on your marriage. What? What do you mean you don't work on your marriage? You work the steps and you trust God. Now, when one person is working the steps and the other one's not, it doesn't work so well. <laughs> but when both partners are working the 12 steps, it works. And on that day in February, however many years ago that was, when I found that email, it dawned on me. I couldn't do this. I couldn't drag him along. I just couldn't any longer. And I'm really grateful that God gave me the courage to say, you go. And also then what happened was really, really a God thing. A friend of mine, I was talking to her because she's an attorney and I wanted an attorney. <laughs> but she'd known me for a long time. And I mean, we had maybe two conversations and she called me out of the blue like 20 minutes later and says, you're coming to my house. I said, excuse me? She said, I've talked to my husband. You're moving into my house. You're no longer staying there. So I moved. Picked up and I moved. And I was with um, one of my very best friends and her husband. 
They were both attorneys. They kept saying, what about his, her husband kept saying to me, don't talk to the police. Whatever you do, don't talk to the police. I'm like, what's he talking about? Finally, it dawned on me. He thought I was going to kill him. <laughs> he really thought that I was going to go home and murder this man. <laughs> don't talk to the police. <laughs> Um, my first two years at Esteban were really rocky. Um, I was still trying to figure out how to fix a mental illness on my own. Doesn't work on your own. I did go get professional help. I spent two weeks, three weeks, three weeks in uh, inpatient care. Um, and it was the best thing I ever did for myself because after that, I could come back to my program. After that, I can come back to the 12 steps, you know. And what I do know today is God had me the whole time. God was putting one foot in front of the other for me because I couldn't do it for myself. I I just can't. Um, David talked a lot about action. And, you know, we had these conversations. And one of the actions I took years ago um, when the girl's dad had, we had divorced and he moved to Canada. Um, my kids were really little. Our kids were really little. He wasn't in the picture then, so they were my kids. Anyway. <laughs> he, uh, my sponsor told me, she says, I said, well, it's Father's Day, and he's not, he's not a decent father. He's gone off. He's left his children. And she told me I had no right to judge that. And I said, well, he's not getting a Father's Day card. And she says, oh, yes, he is. And I said, oh, no, we not. <laughs> anyway, we went around a little way, and she said, you are going to get a card. You're going to have the kids scribble in it. They're little. Um, and you're going to put it in the mail. Oh, no, I'm not. I, um, and this is what I mean by action, what I really want to point out. I did not accept at the time my ex-husband for who he was or what he was doing. I went and bought a card. At my sponsor's insistence, because again, she was black belt. I knew she wanted to leave me alone on it. We had kids color in a card. It wasn't until the card hit the mail slot that my attitude changed. That serenity. That's when the serenity washed right over me. And today, I can say that that man loved his daughters more than anybody would ever know. And um, I love coming to these conferences because I also get to hear that my father loved me more than I would ever know. Um, my father drank himself to death by the time, well, when my first daughter was two months old, three or four months old, something like that. Um, but the gift is that we get to come up here, we get to share our stories. We get to tell each other our stories. We get to be together. Um, you know, how important is it? How important is it the guy in front of me cut me off? Not at all. The other thing in our bag that we got, and I, this is kind of the last little thing I'll leave you with. Once <laughs> I saw it in the bag, I'm like, oh, my favorite. And this has everything to do with acceptance and trust. And that's the prayer of St. Francis. Lord, make me the instrument of thy peace. My sponsor had me put it on my steering wheel. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
I could no longer bust the people, cut me off. <laughs> but the first thing I see right before I go with the bird <laughs> is, Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Thank you. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.